Hello, everybody, and welcome to show. I like show better than podcast. To the secret podcast. And you're not supposed to be listening to this. And remember not to tell anybody because it's a secret. Shh. It's a secret. Hello, hello. I have been on a bit of a hiatus here. Um, I spent all last week just trying to blow through the second episode in my animated fantasy series. And to do that, um, I couldn't focus my attention on coming up with segments to talk about in my podcast. Um, which is good because I, I, I set my goal and I finished it. I got 40 something pages done in a week, um, which I'm, I'm proud of. Uh, but now because after immediately finishing it, I, I realized I wanted to take the episode in another direction and revising and rewriting is what makes quality writing happen and being able to look at your story objectively after a short amount of time and critique it objectively as if it isn't yours and if it's someone you absolutely hate, um, having impeccable, um, an impeccable criteria of what you want and don't want, uh, so on and so forth. And I told myself I was going to start that today and I am not doing that. I'm in my room and I'm folding laundry and I went grocery shopping and I'm about to clean my room. Uh, so I'm doing pretty much everything in my power to avoid writing. My cat is meowing obnoxiously, but you're not going to get fed again. I just fed you an hour ago. You can complain all you want. It's not going to happen. <sighs> Anyways. <clears throat> um, I don't really know what the point of this episode is, really. I think it's more or less just me feeling guilty that I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. And it's quote-unquote my passion. Um, but the hard part about writing is it's not a really... It's not a rewarding art immediately. Um, I mean, just from a very standard point of view, it's just words on a page. And it's not flashy. Um, it takes a while to see if it's good or not. Um, and especially with screenwriting, it's a very cut-and-dry way of writing. It's not like novel writing or poetry. There's not like tremendous prose or interesting details that kind of like sink you into the world. It's it's a very just, this is the location. This is what they're doing. Here's a bunch of dialogue and then some action lines if you really need it. Um, and in screenwriting, the rule is less is more. Um, yes, like the Charmin Ultra toilet paper brand. Um, so knowing that, I've written 40 pages, but I'm trying to write it for a 30-minute episode, so I have to cut it down to around like 30, 35 pages. Um, <clears throat> and it's it's tough, um, because I, I have like, I've had an outline for a while, but um, I'm, there, there's this way of thinking in the writing community, you're either a planner, like an architect, when it comes to outlining or you're a panster and a panster means that you kind of just write to figure out what you want and I feel like I fall into that category wholeheartedly. Um, George R. R. Martin, the writer of Game of Thrones, claims that he's one of those and that's kind of why his books take a while because he has a rough outline and then once he starts writing he feels that he can pick up on more 
organic character motivations and everything else just kind of feels more natural in that regard as opposed to just saying like this will happen and then this will set off this so this person will do this and respond in this way yada yada um so that's that's also something that i have to kind of overcome and i gotta see my blind spot of like trust my outline um oh no the dog uh my roommate's dog is now featuring on this podcast too that's great um but with it not being rewarding uh in terms of like other art forms like if you're a dancer like you can see your progress through dancing and at least you're moving same with being like a visual illustrator or a graphic designer like you can kind of see the groundwork that's being laid and then see the final product and go ah there are just some adjustments i can make But writing is a very subjective art form. Um, Some things that work for other authors don't work for different writers and so on and so forth. I'm I'm thankful enough that I at least have Ryan to edit and critique my writing because I think he does a, a pretty good job of remaining objective. He's not afraid to tell me when something isn't working or if he's confused by something or he wants to see more of a certain character or... I don't know, uh, or tell me to completely abandon the storyline completely, um, which is nice. And I, I don't know, as, as a writer, you just kind of feel crazy. Like you're legitimately a crazy person. You're, you have all these voices in your heads and then eventually you give them personalities and a name and then personification and then you're just yelling at a computer screen, especially during your first draft. You're just, I can, I compare it to just vomiting on, on a piece of paper and then rewriting is just trying to clean up uh, all the spots that you don't need. And I don't know, I just feel, I just feel extremely insecure right now. And I'm sure once I get started in the rewrite process, I'll, that, that, proverbial light bulb will light up and I'll go, ah, why was I so worried? I know what I'm doing now, which is, is good, but it doesn't happen often. I've only experienced that with maybe a couple spec scripts because I already knew the show and I knew the characters. And then, uh, finally with my original pilot, um, it took like two years for it to, for me to feel comfortable about it and say like, yeah, this is exactly kind of how I want it. And even right now, as I'm writing the second episode, I'm realizing I, I'm already cutting a character who is in the pilot, and I don't need them, so I need to kind of go back and adjust my pilot in a way, and it's, you know, it's it's weird. It's a lot of, being a writer is like having homework for the rest of your life, <laughs> and I'm, I love procrastinating, so it's just a battle between making myself feel good, and the only way I can really do that is if I know that I've written, or created, or world-built, or outlined, and today I'm just telling myself I just need a mental health day to just clear out all this clutter that's clogging my mind and helping me feel anxious and fearful that I can't conquer a new story. Um, that's, that's pretty much it. I don't really have much more I can say on this. Uh, take care, everybody.
as I come upstairs to finally do this podcast, even though I've had all day of procrastination to do it, I sit here thinking about reality television and most notably trash reality television because I guess there are some good reality TV shows in the sense of like game shows for example Jeopardy Wheel of Fortune perhaps who wants to be a millionaire stuff like that but I was watching with Emily who has been fully converted and addicted to The Circle a trash reality show and as somebody who pretends to be a writer and pretends to, you know, have a highbrow about what I watch, I find myself extremely interested in it, despite trying my absolute hardest not to like it. I stand there pretending to pet Walter and half be interested and bring up other topics while the show's going on and fully, fully become invested in it. Not in a way of, I really want to know who wins. Just the root cause of reality shows, which is, which I believe, or at least I hope, I know it's not what it is. I know it's just, what's the lowest budget we can possibly put forth to get people to be interested I hope, though, that reality shows at the heart of it is about researching and studying the human behavior when we put them in interesting situations. For example, like Fear Factor, you put them in crazy situations and see how they react, see where people's limits are, or The Amazing Race. Man, I wish I was thinking of those two shows when I was thinking of uh, quality reality shows. But The Circle is a really dumb show. But I'm interested in it, and I'm interested in how these people think. And also, more importantly, I want to put myself in those people's shoes and think, how would I react in those situations? And the thing about it is... The reality shows, while most of the time is stressed how crazy these people are and how they react, hence the quote-unquote normal person's reaction to these crazy people, that's like the whole reality show genre, I have to give a lot of credit to the producers and the editors of these shows for picking the right people to make a show interesting. Because you're never going to pick somebody who's level-headed and logical, because that would ruin the show. And if you are, you're going to make sure that that person gets so frustrated and voted off early that it's interesting and makes people even more upset. But the thing with the Circle Show is that blew me away. Is there somebody on the show who's it's it's a young woman and she's obviously extremely attractive, but she was already on another reality show i believe it was too hot to handle which the circle is a dumb show it's essentially like social media personified i guess who how you rank people and then you can 
message people. It's a, it's somewhat interesting, and it kind of makes me fearful that Netflix figured out how to do reality shows because then, you know, game over. But Too Hot to Handle is literally the stupidest show because all I... And here's the thing. If you watch these shows, you probably know way more than me, and I just get the base level of it. From what I've heard, it's literally just don't have sex with somebody for a month. Yeah, a month. It's not a year. It's not go to this, and if you have sex, you get $10,000. But if you don't, you get a million. It's literally don't have sex. How hard is that to do? I mean, the other thing they said is, Jack off all you want. I, 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 I don't care. Jack off all you want. They, they never said anything about that. So I, I just don't understand. I guess I guess some people's urges are just so incredibly hard to resist that you wouldn't give literal cash money for that. You could post that on Reddit and you'd get downvoted for how stupid of a question that is. Would you not have sex for a month? For even, let's go with, $3,000. Everybody would be like, are you a fucking idiot? Of course not. It's called Pornhub. Alright, well, uh, I tried to not talk about something weird, but uh, I guess I got into it. Um, and I passed my five minutes. And my, I did not level this off. God, I need to stop drinking during the weekdays. Anyways, uh, I believe I'm going to put my mother on this podcast because I'm not going to do my intro for Madala, who will be on tomorrow. This is a drunk reminder to sober Ryan tomorrow to do a good intro for Madala. All right. Well, Masso, I know you hate music and podcasts, and uh, we just played Rock League together where he just roasted this podcast. So uh, enjoy the music there, Masso. I This is Sue, Ryan's mom. Um, I am going to continue my conversation about dogs. First, I'd like to start by apologizing to Kyle Gandy in advance. I might be doing a little swearing, and I don't want to crush his idea that I am a nice, wholesome mom. Just saying. Uh, So if I drop an occasional F-bomb, my apologies. Um, If I had to label this episode, it would be Leash a Fucking Dog. And so it begins. Um... Seriously, just leash your dog, okay? I'm, I'm not trying to be difficult or offend anyone. I understand the whole love for dogs. I actually do love dogs as well, um, but I really have some good reasons why you need to lash, leash your dogs. One, I have five reasons. I'm going to start with one. It's a law, okay? In most cities, state, county parks, six-foot leash. No one is above the law. The law is there for a reason. Follow the freaking law, okay? Number two. Not everybody likes dogs. It's called xenophobia, and it affects 1 in 20 people in the United States. I looked it up. Um, But it's also something that I have also dealt with in my life. When I was in second grade, my friend and I were walking back to her house. Yes, second grade. That was back in the day when they let little ones just walk all over the city. 
and she stuck her hand in a fence and this big dog, I think it was a St. Bernard or something, um, just bit her hand and it was very traumatic. Um, and I had to run to her house and tell her mom that she was bit by a dog. And like I said, it was traumatic. And after that time, all the way up until I was in college and even a little past college, um, I was really deathly afraid of dogs. Um, not necessarily dogs that I knew, although I was a little bit of them, but mostly if I saw dogs on the street, strays, um, out of somebody's gate or whatever, um, I would be frozen with fear. Like I, I remember one time I couldn't even move because there was a dog across the street um, and my friends and I were walking home and I, I just couldn't even move. I was paralyzed um, because of the fear that I had for dogs. Uh, I eventually got over it. Like I, I, it was something I, I didn't want to have. So I eventually got over it and I think I'm okay with dogs now. Um, but for many others, as I said, one in 20 people off leash can trigger a major panic attack for some people, whether you're in control of your dog or not. You know, think about the other people who are also on the trail. Um, that is just not cool. Number three, we get it. Your dog is trained. Good for you. But my thought is if the dog is so well trained, it really is not going to mind being on a leash because it's going to do whatever you want it to do because it's so well trained. Sometimes I think that it's just kind of an ego thing with the dog owner. Yeah, look at me and my well-trained dog. I'm, I'm just saying, okay? Number four, if you want your dog off leash, go to a dog park or find a deserted field. I don't have a problem with that, but a popular hiking trail, put the dog on a leash. A city street, put your dog on a leash. Okay, now number five, and this is my final one, my dog's an asshole. And he's not the only asshole dog. I'm sure there are many others. He's 10. I've tried to train him correctly. Obviously, I failed at that. I don't have the time, the money, or the inclination to fix him at this point. But I would like to take him on walks in the woods. He really enjoys it. He's a beagle. He likes to sniff. Um, but he's going to lunge at your off-leash dog with his hackles up like he's a fucking pit bull. He also goes to doggy daycare and has no issues meeting other dogs. Um, but you put him on a leash in the woods, and he's an embarrassing ass. Okay, but I have, you know, I know your dog is well-trained, okay? Um, but it's still an animal, and you have no idea how it might react to a dog that's lunging at him or her. Uh, and not to mention, like, just the added stress that you've added to my life, because I don't know if you're the frickin' dog whisperer or just a wannabe. And now I have to worry about your off-dog leash, right? Again. It's just not cool. Think of other people. So bottom line, leash your effing dog. Okay? Um, and again, I know I'm going to sound like a mom here or a PSA, but I'm just going to say, give you a few statistics to think about. There are 400,000 human children in foster care system right now. Of those, approximately 135 are adopted each year. That's about a 33% adoption rate. Okay, I'm not a math teacher, but it's about 33. And of all the dogs that enter shelters each year in the United States, 48% are adopted out. It's a lot of dogs. So if you are kind enough to adopt one of those wonderful dogs, dogs rather, please just put it on an effing leash when you walk it. Thank you so much. Whoa, shit. Things are going to get...